Does everybody love the Lord? Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. It's a good day today. Amen. We got sound back up. I'm excited. I was worried I was going to have to start preaching at, you know, like Jesus would have had to, uh, had he been here and just with great gusto. So turn in your Bible to a passage of scripture and hold your place there. Deuteronomy chapter six, Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh, and let's jump right in. Let's get going. We're talking about the family fix. This month, we've been focusing on the family and giving you some great insight about getting the family fixed. Everyone say fixed. Our keynote verse. Well, let me give our foundational statement. This is what you need to understand. Here it is. This is what, this is the big idea. The family is God's big idea. He thought it all up. It's his idea. And he, in fact, it, uh, it's, it's just the mindset of God. He even gave himself, even though he's not a man, he gave himself a family name. He is our heavenly what? Father. Our keynote verse, just to kind of give us the insight to, to the heart of God. He says this. He says he's, he's a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. And God sets the solitary in families. In other words, he's a family man. Everyone say God's a family man. I find it interesting that when Jesus looked down and on earth and, or when God looked down on the earth, he said, how am I going to introduce Jesus, the savior of the world into the world? He chose a family. And so it's all his idea. It's God's big idea. And as a result of that, and, the, and because of that, even from the first family uh, uh, being, you know, created, Adam and Eve, how many of you know the family has been under attack ever since then? The devil has been busy. Secular humanity has been busy trying to undermine and under, uh, uh, you know, undo the foundations of the family. And so the family's been under attack. And as a result, uh, even here in America, especially uh, the foundation and the, and the family union has taken us a big hit from all the different negative influences and the foundation and the core of the family has been compromised. That's why we have decided to title this series, The Family Fix. How we get our outline, the big fix. Let me tell you about the big fix. It came from the definition of the word fix. And here's the four thoughts that we've been talking about. And I'll tell you the third one today. And then, and then next Sunday we'll conclude. But here they are. The first definition uh, of fix means to fasten securely. This speaks to what? The foundation of the family. You know, I, I read an illustration last week after the fact. I preached on this last Sunday about the foundation of the family. An illustration. I went, mm, I wish I'd have had that last week. And it was this very quickly. And I'll just throw it out. A, a couple bought an old house to, to fix up, kind of a fixer upper. And they said, it's great. We love it. It has character. Uh, even has a little patina. Everybody like a little, I don't even know what that is, but uh, has a little patina. We love it. And so they got in, they did a little remodeling. They puttied the cracks in the holes and the things in the wall. And they gave it a big facelift painted it up looked great for about a year or so and all the cracks came back and all the you know and they began what's the deal that painter uh, so they thought we're not hiring that painter anymore we, they hired another painter and he said your problem is not uh, the cracks it's your foundation and until you fix the foundation you're going to always have cracks you see most of us in our life we're putty in the cracks 
we're, we're trying to deal with the, you know, the, the, the crack is not the, the root of the problem. It's just the fruit of the problem. And so last week we talked about the foundation of the family. I would encourage you to get online if you weren't here and listen to that message. The next definition means, and we're going to talk about this one today, to direct one's eyes, attention, or mind steadily or unwaveringly toward. This speaks to the focus of the family. This morning out of Deuteronomy 6, you're going to get a four-fold focal point in just a few moments that's going to really help you get your family fine-tuned and in focus over the purpose of God for their life. The third definition means to mend or repair. This speaks to the faults of the family. We talked about that the first Sunday of this month and just kind of, not that we wanted to get it out of the way, but we just got to get right up front and say, hey, if you don't fix the faults, your focus and your foundation are going to be flawed anyway. And so we talked about some major fault lines in our families that if we don't tend to them, they will become devastating. There will be devastating repercussions and so we've got to fix. That's that part, that part we all think about. We've got to fix the family. And then the fourth one that we'll talk about next Sunday, and I'm pretty jazzed about it. The fourth definition means to decide or settle. It speaks to the future of the family. I, let me just ask you, what's the future of your family? What's the future of your children? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure, knock on wood. I hope everything turns out all right. Hey, you know what Joshua said? He said, I don't know about you. You can serve whatever God you want to serve on that side of the river, whatever you want to do. But as for me and my house, what are we going to do? We will serve the Lord. That's the future of our family. So that's where we'll be next Sunday. Uh, and so just kind of hang on. Let's just keep this thing going today. How many of you want to get the family fix going in your life? And whether you're a single uh, adult here or whether you're divorced or whether you've never been married or whether you've got 10 kids, hey, God sets us all in families and this, these messages work for all of us. So don't think this may or may not uh, apply to you today. So today, to direct one's eyes, attention or mind steadily or unwaveringly toward the focus of the family. That's what I want to talk to you about for just a few moments today. What should be the focus of our families? Listen carefully. When life gets out of focus, did you know everything suffers? When your relationship with God gets out of focus, everything in your world becomes jeopardized. God wants to give us clarity and focus and and, and, and fresh vision for our families and get us focused in the right direction. You know, and so, did, and anybody got... Has uh, anybody got binoculars? You know, I have some binoculars at, at my lake house. And so I'll sit on the back porch and I want to watch. And I'm not spying on the neighbors. I'm looking at the animals and stuff. And I notice that if I focus long distance, I can't see up close. But if I want to see up close and see a bird really close to the feeder, then I, I've got to refocus. Did you know sometimes our families get out of focus just because we're looking at the wrong things? We're focusing on the wrong things. And so then our family suffers and our futures and all the, you know, everything about our family begins to suffer just simply because we've got our focus in the wrong direction. Another reason our families get out of focus or, or, you know, anybody ever got anything really bad in your eye? Oh my, oh my goodness. When I was a kid, I got a little metal sliver in my eye. 
And this was when I was a little kid. And my doctor, my old country doctor, you know how he got it out? He took the eye of a needle. And, and, it, and when I looked at light, it made my eye just burn terribly. I was about five years old. And I could, I'll never forget, you know, look at light makes my eye burn terribly. So you know what the doctor did? Look right into that light. And don't close your eyes or blink while I get a needle and pluck out this splinter out of your eyeball. I'm telling you, that traumatized this little boy. I can remember minute details. But you know what? Sometimes we get irritants in our, in our focus. And it causes us to get out of focus. And there's, how many of you know there's negative influences all in the world that just gets our focus and our family all messed up. And as a result, everything begins to suffer. So, hey, we, we don't want to be focusing on the wrong things. We got to deal with those unhealthy intrusions and things that get into our vision and our families and get back in focus. So this morning, I want to give you four focal points. Here we go uh, from Deuteronomy 6. Are you in Deuteronomy 6? If you're in Deuteronomy 6, let me tell you what's in Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy 5, Moses and God are reviewing and rehearsing the Ten Commandments. Everyone say Moses. Anybody watching the Bible? Man, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Tonight's number three, I think, or four. I can't remember. Awesome video. It's great. It's very popular. Uh, don't criticize it. Hey, they're trying to get the whole Bible in ten uh, video sessions, uh, you know, until you tried it, don't be too critical. One thing I thought was funny was the ninja angels. That's the only thing that kind of threw me. That kind of threw me. Ah, yeah, ninja angels. I mean, that's pretty cool. Uh, hey, I don't know what they look like. I don't, hey, so bless their hearts. And so, hey, Moses is rehearsing the Ten Commandments in chapter chapter five, and then he gets to Deuteronomy six, and he says this. I'm, now, I could. I wish I could read the whole chapter. I want you to do something. This is your homework this week. You read Deuteronomy 5, 6, and 7 about five times. Deuteronomy 5, 6, and 7 about five times. It'll be good for you, and you'll catch this mindset a little better. Deuteronomy 6, I'm going to read the first nine verses, and here we go. Now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and the judgments, which the Lord God has commanded to teach you. Now, he's talking about the Ten Commandments, right? That you may observe them in the land which you're crossing over to possess. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep his statutes. Now, I want to pause right here because I meant to say this. Listen for the family focus. Everyone say the family focus. Listen now. Reviewing the Ten Commandments. God is rehearsing them to Moses and to the people. And now, here it is. It's application time. He says, you get a hold of these, verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. That's a good part, amen? Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you. Did you know obedience brings, brings multiple, multiplied blessings? He goes on to say, he said, therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, uh, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Everyone say, in your heart. You shall teach them diligently. Everyone say, diligently. 
You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit at your, talk of them when you sit at your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. We talked about this Wednesday night a little bit. Let me just say, how many of you know that's, that ought to, that means that ought to be the primary focus of our families, right? You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall be as front and they shall be as frontlets be, between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house. And on your gates, amen. We'll look at the rest of this, some of the rest of this in a moment. But let's just pause and say, God, let the word of God make a difference in my life. Lord, let your word make a big difference in our lives today as we focus our families in the right direction. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Four focal points that our families need to focus on in order to... Move forward into the destiny of God for their life in order for uh, there to be clarity of life and to be able to accomplish God's kingdom purpose from Deuteronomy 6. Let me show you four. There's a lot here. I had to weed some of it out because uh, there's only so much time. But the first one, which I really caught my eye, that these, this has to become crystal clear. Everyone say crystal clear. Listen, these four things have to become crystal clear within our families. And the first one is this, an unclouded governance. What do you mean? A clarity of governance within our families. In other words, who's in charge? I know some of you guys. I'm in charge of my house. I'm the head of my house. How many of you know that is true to a certain extent, but understand something. Your family is really not yours. Your family belongs to who? God. And when you begin to read Deuteronomy 6 and really Deuteronomy 5, you'll discover what God is trying to say is, I'm in charge. So listen carefully about the family and put it in the context of your home. Ask yourself, who's really in charge? Is Jesus Christ really the Lord of your family? Is he in charge? In fact, I think it's verse 4 uh, or verse 6 somewhere in there. He said, hey, let me tell you what you need to understand about, about your family and about your life and your future. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's in charge. This speaks of lordship. And so when we embrace this, this has to be, uncle- this has to be crystal clear in the home. Husbands have to be crystal clear about the understanding. Fathers need to be crystal clear about this. Hey, yes, I have responsibility of leadership in in my home, but ultimately I am not in charge. He is in charge. You see that in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 where, where it talks about husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. And you realize, and, and here it tells women and the wives to submit themselves unto their husbands as unto the Lord. How could it be as unto the Lord? The husband is a representative of the authority of God. He is just a delegated authority in the process of God. And Jesus ought to be in charge. Amen. That's really true. Amen. In fact, what does the Bible say about fathers in Ephesians 6? Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You know how you can, you can really irritate your family and, and, and provoke them to wrath in a hurry? Think you're in charge. 
take the reins of your family away from God and begin to try to govern your family under your rules and regulations. You're going to frustrate your family. But if you put Jesus in charge and begin to follow him, guess what? There's coming clarity of vision and purpose in your family. Everyone say unclouded governance. Your kids need to know who's in charge. Jesus is the head of this house. Glory to God. He's the head of the church and he's the head of this house. Amen. I'm not in charge. Jesus is in charge. And if I tell you to do something, it's because, hey, I believe Jesus would have me to tell you to do that. I'm just obeying the, the word of God and the will of God. Amen. Uh, somebody say it better. Amen. It's got to be crystal clear in the house on every side. And so I want to encourage the fathers and the husbands to really embrace that as well as the wives and the mothers to realize, hey, it's an uncompromised or an unclouded governance. You see, the family is not a democracy. It's really not. In fact, one of my biggest frustrations in life is trying to get the family to vote on where, who go, where do we go to lunch at. We just need a vision from God. Because you try to get the family all agreed together, you know. And, and, and my, I've said this before. My wife said, I don't care until you offer up something she doesn't like. I don't want to go there. You don't care until, I, until we say Chinese buffet. She backs away from that. <laughs> it's not a democracy. How many of you, when you get your kids, okay, we're all going to vote whether we go to church or not. I know now some of you do that and you don't realize it. Okay, I don't want to go to church. Okay. I'm tired. I don't want to go to church. Okay. And we hey, the reality is many times God is not in charge. Okay, so everyone say unclouded governance. It's got to be crystal clear. It's got to be a focal point of our family. Jesus must be the Lord of our family. Amen. You got it if you got it, say I got it. There you go. We'll move on. The second one is, and this certainly is in line with this one, the second focal point that the family needs to fix upon and begin to be, look steadily and unwaveringly toward is uncompromised obedience to the word and the will of God. Now, this, these passages are, as we say in East Texas, chock full of this truth. Let me quickly run you through some. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now this is the commandment. These are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you're crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes. Everybody say all his statutes. Now let me pause. Did you know what most Christian families do? They have selective obedience. It doesn't mean all. Yeah, thou shalt not murder. I got that one. We ain't murdering in our house. At least we don't plan on it. But that covetous thing kind of creeps. Oh, that's okay. It's not a problem. Remember the Sabbath day to keep? Uh, maybe so, maybe not. Selective obedience, right? Am I right? If I'm right, just say, you're right, Pastor. That's the way most Christian families have selective obedience when it comes to the command of God. Hey, let me quickly move through these. It's just, as I said, chock full here. Look in, uh, look in verse 6. It says this, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. In other words, when you get them in your heart, did you know that's when obedience becomes a, a lot easier? When you embrace the word of God and the command of God in your heart. 
It's like the kid sitting, standing up for the seatbelt. Sit down, sit down, sit down, buckle up. I don't want to sit down, buckle up. You got to sit down, buckle up. And then finally, if you don't sit down, buckle up, we're going to do, we're going to do something serious. Well, they, they finally sit down, buckle up. And then after you get going down the road, the little kid said, I know I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> Obedience wasn't in the heart, was it? And that's where it's got to be. Look at another verse or two. Look in, oh gosh, verse 17 and 18. We didn't read it, but look. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes, which he commanded you. You shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, and that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore to you. Somebody say amen. That's awesome, man. Look in verse 24, 24 and 25. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our God good always that he might preserve us alive as it is this day that it will be be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us listen carefully families listen carefully moms and daddies the focal point of our we've got to get our family fixed on the reality that Jesus is in charge he is the governor he is the Lord he is the leader of our families and we will not compromise when it comes to obeying what he is telling us to do. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7. We looked at it last week, I believe. He said, hey, the guys who build their house upon the rock, who are they? Those who hear my sayings and then do them. Not just those who hear, but walk away and forget what God's saying. Those who hear the word of God and begin to obey the word of God. Those are the people who are building, as it were, their houses upon the rock. And when the winds and the storms come and beat against that house, it stands because it is built upon the rock. What is the rock? It's an uncompromised obedience to the word and the will of God. Amen. I had a preacher friend of mine who's pretty callous and hard said this one day he said you know why I love my wife I could tell he was all excited about it I said no tell me brother Calvin why you love your wife he said because the Bible commands me to (laughs) and I'm not compromising on that one I mean, you know, that's true. He was being a little funny and, and, and humorous, but the reality is, hey, it's, we've got to live an uncompromised obedience to the word and the will of God. And when the storms come, listen, storms, they are brewing. Storms have been assailing the family for centuries. And they're only getting worse so much more that we build our family. On the uncompromised obedience to the word and the will of God for our lives. That's got to be the focal point of our families. We're going to obey the word. We're going to be obedient to what God says. We're going to let him be in charge. We're going to let him lead us and we're going to obey him. And oh, guess what? It's going to be righteousness to us and it's going to be blessing to us. It's going to be beneficial to us. We're going to live a long time on the earth. And in fact, you know, other places in scripture, the Bible says uh, that the rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and obedience, hey, is better than sacrifice. You just, hey, you can be religious all you want, but what God is looking for is someone who obeys from the heart what he's telling us to do. Amen. 
to follow him and obey him. And the Bible says if you obey him, you'll eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. Let's claim that verse. I'm not going to obey God so I can be devoured by the sword. I claim that in Jesus' name. Nobody does that. But in reality, we have this this, uh, uh, selective obedience. Remember verse 2. Keep all his commandments. Obey him. Everyone say unclouded governance. Everyone say uncompromised obedience. Number three. Let me show you number three that I see. And it's an undiluted remembrance. Oh, look at this. Oh, look here. Verse four. He said, I read it already, but look at it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Okay? You got to remember that. And then look down in verse 10. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to the fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things, somebody say amen, which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant when you had eaten and are full, then beware. Everyone say, then beware. When you get real fat and sassy and happy. And relaxed, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Everyone say, Beware. I wonder why God used such word, Beware. Because it's so easy. Listen, when life gets good, that we get lazy and we forget where it all came from. And our families need to be fixed and focused upon who he is and what he has done for us. In fact, another few verses, I won't read it. It says, when your son starts asking you about all these things we're obeying and all these commandments, you tell him, hey, we're obeying this because God brought us out of the land of Egypt. He brought us out of bondage and set us free and gave us this great land. He gave us these commandments. What's he saying? You testify to your family of the delivering power of Almighty God. Your kids need to know that you've been set free. Your kids need to know that the blessings of God are upon you because of who he is and what he's done for your life. And he said, don't Never forget it. Keep it as a focal point of your family that he has done great things in our midst. He's a good God. He's blessed us. Amen. So keep your rooms clean, for goodness sake. Oh, the kids aren't here. That didn't work. I'm sorry. We remember Jesus picked up on that. And he said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do so in what? Remember, don't forget. Beware. I see Jeff and Julie back there. Jeff, can I talk about you a minute? (laughs) Jeff's first Sunday, I think, was my first Sunday. Is that right? A long time ago. They came, pulled up the parking lot. There were just a few cars, of course. Jeff said, I ain't going in there. Judy said, come on, we got to go. So it's good to have a good wife, right? They came, and I talked about fishing in Lake Fork, and I hooked him and reeled him in. They've been here ever since. But in the beginning, Jeff started telling me we started fellowship, and he started telling me all these 
horror stories, financial horror stories. And, uh, and, uh, and one day we're driving along and I said something about, I'll never get done with today if I get this. We're driving through Lumberton and I was so befuddled and I, I just getting to know Jeff and I said, Jeff, I don't understand. You got these $300,000 houses next to these trailer houses. I don't understand. I just was confused about it. How, how, why would somebody do that? And finally, Jeff, a little later, said, I live in a metal mansion. I went, ew. Well, did I step off into it deep there? <laughs> Don't ever forget the metal mansion. Don't ever forget what God has done in your life. Whoo. Our kids, I tell them all the time we're together. When we were little, when they were little, we'd go into the restaurant and I'd do this. It's water day. When the lady comes, we all want water. I remember when I was a kid, this frustrated me. Now, we were poor as dirt when I was growing up. And my mom would make pancakes on Saturday morning. It's cheap, but give you about a quarter cup of milk. And I said, bless God. When I grow up, milk will flow like from a water hose in my house. Kind of like that commercial, little kid at the end of the line with a soup. I didn't know there was chicken in this soup. Anybody ever grow up like that? Thank God for what he's done in our life. Our kids don't ever need to forget how good God is. And some of them are so used to the blessings, they forgot from whence it came. Come on now. Oh, you're complaining about your DVR not working? I'll take it. How many of you know I'm right about that? It all came from him. Somebody say amen. Whew, he's good. He's a good God. Praise you, the Lord. Undiluted remembrance. Don't ever forget from where you came and what God has done for you. Keep your family focused on that. Number four. We're about to close. The fourth focal point is undivided allegiance. Everyone say undivided allegiance. Listen very careful now. I got 10 minutes. You see this in scripture over and over and over again. This needs to be settled in the family and there cannot be a divided allegiance between God and some other God. Look, let me show you this in the ver- Deuteronomy 6, 4. There's one God. Everyone say there's one God. Now, look over in verse 13 through 15. And you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall, and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. Now, think about it for a second. He's referencing the Ten Commandments. The first two have to do with idols. With other gods. Oh, now preacher, come on. Those are outdated. 
I don't bow down before false gods. I haven't hewn a strange image. I'm not worshiping a statue or a post. Uh, uh, Those are outdated for today. No, they aren't. They've just become Americanized. Some of us bow down to them every day. We don't realize it. We get all the family around. I'm being a little facetious. Come family, let us worship at the altar of the television. The first two of the Ten Commandments warn us about divided allegiance. There's one God. If I say one God, just one God, we'll, we'll have no other gods before us. We will not have an undivided allegiance in this house. Daddy's not going to be divided. Mama's not going to be divided. We've got one God. He is Jehovah. In fact, let me tell you where we're going in April, the second, yeah, the second Sunday of April, I'm going to begin a series called American Idols. And then that Wednesday night, we're going to begin a series called, a video small group series called Gods at War. And the author of that series said this, it just sit, chills down my spine. He said this, idolatry in America is not an issue. Dot, dot, dot. It's the issue. Idolatry in America is not an issue. It's the issue. And so, everyone say, these idols are coming down. Come on, tell somebody, give somebody a high five so these idols are coming down. Woo, we got some. There's some, hey, they're coming down. And listen, for your family to get fixed, we got to get this fixed. Did you know, you can tell I don't worship money because I ain't got any in my wallet. Well, wait a minute. I do have a debit card. And if you know, that's one of the biggies. And I've said this before. I can tell you who's the Lord of your life by looking at your checkbook. Am I right? And you know what? I'll clean it up later. You know what? He gets pretty serious about this one. He says, if you don't get this fixed, it's going to really hack me off. And if necessary, I'll move you out of the way. Because there's only one God. Now, let me close with some good news. You want some good news? Let me talk to you about, here we go. This is going to help you with these four. Let's, let's do this quickly. Let's review. Okay. These are the four focal points. Everyone say unclouded governance. Jesus has to be in charge, right? Number two, uncompromised obedience, right? 
Hey, we're just going to obey him in every area, not in one area. Not We're not going to select how we obey God, whatever he tells us to do in his word and, and by his spirit. We're going to obey. Number three, undiluted remembrance. We're not going to forget. We're not going to let the fellowship and the blessings and all the good things of God get us distracted away from the, the one who gave them to us. And number four, undivided allegiance. We're not going to, we're not going to uh, let the idols of, the, of our day, the American idols of our day, uh, be in charge of our life. Now, Here's how all of this really becomes alive. It's through viewing. When we focus on these four things, here's how we do it. We focus on them through the love lens. Everyone say the love lens. Now, let me show it to you. Where is it? It's in verse 5. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus came along with that. If you remember what he said in a number of the Gospels, he said, let me tell you about the first commandment. Listen to it. I think this is Matthew 22. The first commandment is, is this, basically this verse. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. And the second commandment, now catch, stay with me. The second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And then he says this, because we're talking about all the commandments of God. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, all of those and all of that has to funnel through these two. You got to look and, and focus your family. I'm going to obey the rules because the Bible tells me to. No, because I love him with all my heart. Because I have an unadulterated untainted adoration and love for God. He's in charge, not because he's in charge. He's in charge of my life and I yield myself and my family to the governance of God, not just because that's what I'm supposed to do, but because I love him so much. Because he first loved me. He laid down his life through his son Jesus. Paid a great price so I could be his child. And I obey him, not out of fear of the consequences, but out of a heart of love towards him. I guard my heart from the idols of this life, not because of the fear of being cut off from him, but because I love him. With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, with everything within me. John said this in 1 John chapter 4 and 5. He said, we love him because he first loved us. Amen. You see, you've got to look at all this through the love lens. And here's the cool thing. In fact, what does it say in Ephesians for husbands? You love your wives as Christ loved the church. I love her because he loves me. Amen. So today, this is how we look. You know what? We need to fall in love with him all over again. It'll help our focus get straight. Help our lives begin to clear up. Some of you, let's be honest. 
Your family's in a fog. And just on a natural note, your kids don't even know who's in charge. Because you play each other against one another. Come on. He's got to be the Lord. We've got to obey Him. We've got to remember Him. We've got to keep Him as the only one in charge. Why? Because we love Him. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, today as we come to You and as we close out this service, let the Word of God set up residence in our heart. Lord, let the focus of the family begin to clear up. And Lord, if we've got our focus on the wrong things, forgive us, Lord. If we've got something in our spiritual vision that has clouded our vision, heal us, Lord. Help us begin to focus our life and our family. on the Lordship of Christ with an uncompromised obedience to the word and will of God and an undiluted remembrance of who you are and what you've done in our midst with a heart of undivided allegiance to serve you and you alone with every head bowed and every eye closed where does it begin? Begins to look, it begins through looking through life, looking at life through the love lens. Listen, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, He loves you. He died on a cross for you, gave His life so you and I could have life. If you've never yielded yourself to the governance of God, like we said is so necessary, today we just bow before a loving, benevolent God and say, Lord, I yield myself to your control. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I've never really made that commitment to Christ. I want to pray for you right where you stand. If that's you today and you've never made a commitment to Christ, I'm going to ask you to boldly lift your hand up and look me right in the eye and lift your hand and say, that's me. Today, I want to make a commitment to Christ. Anyone here? God bless you. Anyone else? Lift your hand and say, today, I'm making my commitment to Christ. You can put your hands down. Every one of us are going to pray together. And as we pray together, I'm going to ask our ministry team leaders to come and make their way to the front. We're about done. So let me just open up the altars for our ministry team leaders to come. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you lifted your hand today, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Let's pray together. Everyone here out loud. Do this with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I bow my heart before you. I yield my life to your control. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. 
pay for my sin with his own blood. I invite you into my life to be the Lord and the leader of my life and the Lord and the leader of my family. I give my life to you from this day forward. I will serve you with all my heart. I will love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and all my strength. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord of glory a great big God bless you. Let him know